Hi guys. Good morning. It's been a moment here. Yeah, I know. But I really struggled with myself to mentally prepare myself to do this because this past two weeks has really been traumatic for every Nigerian like myself because a lot went on in such a while just a very short while everything started off peacefully but how we got to the bridge where everything got bloody still baffles me you know Nigeria is a really beautiful place but unfortunately we've been so unlucky with leaders our leaders are so unempathic insensitive selfish greedy any adjective you could qualify them with and this has gone on for so long when I mean so long as long as the 90s somehow I wonder if we are truly independent because we gained independence from our colonial masters but we're still slaves in our own country and it's worrisome it's really disturbing our parents put up a fight during their time but they weren't so opportune to push for the change they clamored for because unlike today they didn't have the existence of social media technology was I mean almost non-existent so they lost these same people played the card of ethnicity division religious bigotry I mean Nigeria is so massive so large in population over 200 million people with about 250 different tribes and languages they pulled that card made us hate each other just for their own selfish reasons and to gain their political offices and for so long we've been slaves to all these happenings since 2015 we've literally seen the worst of it all poverty rate has increased by far the life of an average Nigerian means practically nothing to the federal government we've watched this man take our rights away from us currently they are trying to take our voices away from us as well the rate of unemployment has increased by far we have issues of banditry in the north extending to the southern regions of the country people get missing and the worst of it all is police brutality from the same people who made a vow to protect us whenever I am approaching a police checkpoint here in Nigeria I begin to have palpitations. I feel my hands wet from sweat. I'm anxious because anything could happen. It's so crazy that in Nigeria, you go out and come back, it's a testimony. <laughs> you, you literally thank God and your family is so grateful that you were able to find your way back because you could leave and you could never come back it's so unfortunate that the same people whom I should run to for safety when my life is at stake are the very same people I am scared of when I am approaching them 
why because they harass you they could just humiliate you by the road even without being a criminal they tag you a criminal just because you're looking good just because you possess an expensive phone you are looking good in in one word you have an expensive phone you drive an expensive car you have a laptop you have dreadlocks you have tattoos name it someone who a policeman or policewoman who is happy trigger can just kill you and target accidental discharge nobody's held accountable for it nobody answers anybody's questions you just become past things just like that and the funny thing is your parents may never even get to see your cops that's the heartbreaking thing you can imagine the trauma the psychological trauma your family is left with to keep gersing oh maybe someday he or she is going to return home oh what if he or she is dead that feeling of uncertainty there are no databases to keep records so investigating anything is far from it and these people will dispose the cops and there will definitely be no traces anywhere the nigerian youth got frustrated with everything that has been going on the ridicule that has been made of this great nation and decided to hit the streets to carry out a peaceful protest which is the constitutional right of every citizen of Nigeria I have never in my 22 years of living seen the youth so coordinated everybody for a second forgot about their different tribes nobody remembered Christianity or Islam everybody came out in mass in one voice to fight for one cause which is end SARS SARS is a police unit which is the special anti-robbery squad they were created initially to curb crimes but the same people who were initially created to curb crimes in the country happened to be the criminals that we were dealing with there are so many gory videos on the internet of how they harass humiliate people and unfortunately the most endangered species are the males there are cases where women too were brutalized and harassed by these people and the heartbreaking thing about that of women is rape is inclusive a lot of people in this country young people in particular have lost their lives to these men people who were killed just because somebody has possession of a gun or people who were hit by stray bullets because they were just releasing fire by people who didn't get proper military training there are a list of people who have lost their lives and I want to use this opportunity to just pay a tribute to them we have people like Jimo Isak who was just a young boy standing by watching the protesters protesting and just like that in seconds he was dead because he was hit by a stray bullet thanks to the authorities who were discharging bullets in the air carelessly without caring who it hits i mean who releases fire life bullets on peaceful protesters who does that we have sleek we have ayomide taiwo we have pita oforum chika ibeku chibike anams 
Ifoma Abugu, whose case is a bit more recent. She was in her fiance's house when they stormed her fiance's house and were looking for the fiance. They couldn't find the fiance and they decided to take her to the station. And the next thing we saw on the internet was she was raped and killed in cold blood. And to today, nobody has been held accountable. Nobody's answering any questions. Nothing has been done about it. We have Christian Onigo, Emmanuel Ebo, Victor Madramago, Chidi Odinowa, Steph, Stephen Amaim, Tony Orama, Tiamu Kazim, Masab Samani, Kolade Johnson, Onovo Matthew, Chinidu Ani, Precious Odua, Richard Gora, Chijuki Ilaya, whom I will tell his heartbreaking story much later when I'm done reading out these names. Linda Igwetu, Daniel Teller, Harry Ataria, Johnson Nemeka, Femi Bello, Chima Ikunado, God's Gifts Ekerete, Gabriel Owoichu, Tina Ezekwe, Modebayo Awoshika, Linda Igwetu, Daniel Adewuyi, Chukwemeka Matthew, Chika Ibeku, Azwa Mak, Madwe Mago, Rinji Bala Yuzil, Tiamu Kazim, Joseph Edonoje Ubeni, Anita Akapsen, Chibike Daniel, Ika Aguchi, Ifangi Ozor, Chine Dumeniu, Augustina Arebu, Antoni Wokiki, Paulinius Obona, Ekena Isaac, Mebe, Emeka Ojinze, Ademola Moshud, Ismalia Anyinla, Miracle, Sunday, Joy, and Dubweze. And a lot more we do not know of. Remember their names. Tina Ezekwe was a 16-year-old girl who was just standing by the bus stop in Lagos State, Nigeria, sometime in June of 2020. And she was just observing and a happy trigger, drunk man in uniform decides to open fire at a bus and Tina was hit by a stray bullet. Till today, nobody has been arrested. Justice has not been served in respect to Tina, her family are definitely still mourning and the most painful thing is justice may not likely be served. Chijoke Iloaya is one of the stories that have left me wondering where the humanity of people really went to. Chijoke Iloaya got missing in 2012 that was eight years ago he was arrested at one of the police stations in Anambra state southeast Nigeria according to stories on the net which was written by his sister they went to the station in search of Chijoke and his mother saw Chijoke at the station she started screaming, saying, that's my son. That's my son. They took her out, and that was the last time she set her eyes on her son. They went back, and CSP James Wafo, who is in charge of that police station, told them that the son was not there. She insisted, I know who I saw. I know what I saw. I saw my son here. Will you guess what this man said? He said, I've killed your son and there is nothing you can do. Mind you, this man in question is a father and a grandfather, I am told. So one would wonder for a man who is a father, he should have empathy. But we were wrong. Just like the Holy Book says, 
The heart of man is desperately wicked. I have no other reason to doubt that because it was very evident in this case. How do you look someone in the eye and say, I killed your son and there is nothing you can do? The family were, I mean, anybody would be dumbfounded, even I myself. I had goosebumps reading those, that story. I mean, I couldn't believe what I was reading. And other police people there were like, oh, maybe he's bluffing. Maybe Chijoke is still alive. Just raise a little money and just give to him. Maybe your son is still alive. We all know how difficult Nigerian economy has, you know, made it impossible for people to make ends meet. But somehow, you know, parents, that instinct, that parental part of you would do anything to save the life of your child, no matter what it costs. His parents went back, sold a lot of properties, and were able to raise the sum of 3 million naira as bail, and brought it to this man. And this man said that 3 million naira was chicken change. <laughs> wow. What I can't even imagine what that poor man went through to raise that money knowing the current state of the nation and after up the csp james wafor took or rather told chijoke's father to go to ezu river where he dumped dead bodies of the people they have murdered innocent young people and told chijoke's father to swim in the midst of dead bodies to find his son. How mean could someone be? I always sit down to think what would have been going on in the poor man's mind. Would he be wishing to, oh, let me see my son here and know that he's dead and this unanswered questions just come to an end or was a part of him hoping maybe he's not here i have hope i'll see my son someday i can't imagine the emotional trauma that man had to pass through searching for his son in the midst of decaying bodies deposited in a river which is the only source of drinking water in that community a human being did that to fellow human beings. A lot of Nigerian parents have lost their children to SARS. Or was it the case of Colady Johnson who was watching football and was killed, a father, and that's just how his wife became an emergency widow, I will call her, and the child fatherless. Why? What did he, what did he do just because he's Nigerian? And nobody, nobody goes to jail for this. We hit the streets. We protested physically. Those who were not courageous or maybe had some other reasons not to be there physically. We're protesting online using the Twitter hashtag NSAS. And we know that we couldn't do this by ourselves and we called on God. We protested in three ways, physically, online, and through prayer walks. Both the Muslims and the Christians came together in one voice, praying for one thing, asking for strength. The Nigerian youths ran a government in 10 days. There was no prior budgeting for this protest. Thanks to FK Abudu and the Feminist Coalition who were able to raise funds 
We had medical personnel on standby. We had lawyers on standby. People were fed. There was security. We protected each other. We looked out for each other. After every protest, we cleaned up the streets. There were so many missing phones that were returned to the owners. I've never been so proud of being a Nigerian youth in this generation. But the government, being the clowns that they are, decided to silence our voices. They banned the traditional media from airing anything that had to do with the answers. And even those that were talking about the answers, they were just pushing out lies. So that people around the world don't really know what's going on in Nigeria. But thanks to the online community who made this whole movement trend with the use of hashtags. You know, saying this at this point is actually bringing tears to my eyes because it was so peaceful. It was fun. (laughs) You know, I saw us, our resilient spirits. We didn't back off. It seemed like this was finally the time. Hope was staring us in the face. I could see our parents proud of us. You know? Doing what they couldn't do. Because they were handicapped during their time. We made use of the media. We made use of every single technology. They tried to frustrate us on every end. And we kept, you know, showing them that we were better. Showing them why they should put us in power. Showing them why they should get us involved. It was smooth, I would say. Day and night, we protested just for a better country, a better future. While I was growing up, I was told that the youths are the leaders of tomorrow. But unfortunately, the same people who were ruling Nigeria during the time of my parents are still in power. And it's not even like they're doing anything reasonable or good to move the country forward. The country is 20 years backwards on all grounds. Education, healthcare, every single thing, name it. Still, these people don't care. The average Nigerian is suffering. They loot the money that belongs to the youth, save it up in their tanks, houses, uncompleted buildings, banks, ship their kids to the best schools in the world, while a Nigerian child somewhere can't go to school because he or she does not have the money to acquire education. Talking about education is going far. Some people don't even have the money to eat one meal out of three in a day. In a country where there are so many natural resources that God Almighty endowed us with. Yet we live in abject poverty. We don't have quality schools. The healthcare system is almost non-existent. These were the things we were pushing for. These were the things that got us frustrated and we hit the streets. People think it's just all about answers. The answers movement was more than just answers. It was end bad government in low-key voice. It 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 was just more than answers. It was an accumulation of Anger, it was an accumulation of frustration, it was an accumulation of pain. We were tired, we just wanted a new life, and it's not wrong to demand for a change. This went on day and night. Nigerians were sleeping under the cold, pleading with our leaders, listen to our voice. And what did they do? They came out to tell us that they've disbanded SARS, but come off it. 
they've been disbanding since 2017. It was disbanded in 2017, 2018, 2019, and now in 2020. One thing our leaders are very good at doing, they only talk. And this time around, we're done listening to their mere talk. We wanted action. We gave them our five demands and they were so simple. It didn't need a lot of time to implement. But as usual, they didn't care. All this went on until that dark Tuesday. I, I, you know, I just got so that Tuesday afternoon, I was so tired. I've been exhausted because morning and night I was tweeting because I couldn't hit the streets for some reasons. I had to tweet tirelessly morning, afternoon, night. That was my contribution to this protest because I owe my kids this. I'm fighting for the future of my kids because I want young people to be in power and create a change so that my children will come live in Nigeria, be proud of this country and have something in their hands, which unfortunately I do not have at my age because these men have refused to let go of power because of their own selfish interest and greed. I woke up seeing there was a curfew in a commercial city like Lagos where traffic is the order of the day and you give a curfew announcement just four hours before its implementation was to take place. How funny can the state governor be? That wasn't enough. I still remember I was at work that night and I got that DM from one of my friends and it was an Instagram live. I clicked on it and that was the Lekki Tollgate massacre going on. I watched a horror movie live on Instagram. The Nigerian government deployed the military to unleash fire on peaceful protesters. On the 20th of October 2020, Nigeria spilled the blood of its citizens on its flag. We will never forget that in history. And the funny thing is, it was premeditated. How do you sit down and orchestrate a massacre, a genocide? That evening, while the youth were peacefully sitting at the Lekki Tollgate, demanding for what belongs to them, just give us a voice, just listen to us. They sent officials to take out the CCTV camera at Lekki Tollgate so there won't be any evidences of their crime. The billboard lights, which were always on, even during the COVID-19 lockdown, that billboard lights were never turned off for one day. Got turned off. And they were left in perpetual darkness. The only weapon they had in their arms were the Nigerian flag. Nigerian military came at 6.45 p.m. and started shooting at protesters. The videos are there. The evidences are there. How do you use bullets used in warfare on peaceful protesters? That's the question I keep asking. Open fire on people, shooting not in the air, which is still inappropriate for peaceful protesters, they were shooting directly at the crowd. Their intention was to kill. And last I checked, the Nigerian military cannot carry out that instruction without 
receiving orders from the commander-in-chief of the armed forces, who is the president of Nigeria. They shot at peaceful protesters. Thank God for this brave woman called DG Switch, who was able to pick up her phone and went live on Instagram. We saw these things happen. I heard bullets shooting everywhere. I couldn't even hold myself from crying because I couldn't imagine the fear, the trauma of you being in between life and death. Like your life flashing in your eyes and you're helpless just because you decided to fight for what is rightfully yours. I saw a lot of people injured. And you know the most inhumane thing they did? The military blocked the ambulances from getting to the people at the toll gate. So many people were just few feet away from making it, from not dying. But no, they decided to be the devil's incarnate themselves and block the ambulances from going to help people. I watched as DJ Switch had to make use of available instruments, um, a dry gin in a sachet, and a plier to pull out the, a bullet from the lap of one of the protesters. As at this time, about 15 people were already dead. All they did was wave the Nigerian flag and sang the national anthem. I saw full-grown men weeping and their voices shaking in tears because their own country decided to turn against them. And some of the hospitals I heard were rejecting the wounded people. People lost their children, people lost their husbands, people lost their wives. I don't know what is more traumatic than that. I cried, I solicited for help the way I could. It was indeed a dark day for Nigeria. It can never be forgotten in the history of this country, never. You know, I can never remember that day without tears running down my eyes like it's doing now. I lost sleep. I couldn't sleep. It was... Because I couldn't just imagine. I couldn't. I I couldn't bring myself to that realization. I was like, what if someone I knew was there? What if I was to be there? What, there was just a lot of what ifs. Who is behind this? Who ordered this? Who, who is the wicked person? Who is the devil himself that could go this far to kill people just to silence them and intimidate them? I know the heartbreaking thing. By morning, the leaders of this nation, particularly the governor of Lagos State, had the effrontery to come out and say that there were no fatalities pushing out lies to the media so that the international community won't get involved and render help. Even till the next morning, DJ Switch went back online and they were still shooting. And to show you that this was premeditated when they were done carrying out this atrocity on the 20th, the light at the toll gate came back on. How mean could these people be? How mean. This and the fact that the government are denying was what tore my heart into irreparable pieces. I was still trying to recover from death till the president decided to infuriate me more by the unempathic presidential speech he gave. 
the president of Nigeria, in one word, threatened a grieving nation. He seemed so unaware of what is even going on in the country. There was no address of the Tollgate massacre. There was no mention of Lagos State in that presidential address. Which God was asking, where is our president? What is going on? What's happening in Nigeria? Because I can't seem to understand it. They don't care if we die. They don't care if we eat. They just don't care about us. They just care about themselves. And it's heartbreaking. It's painful. It's everything you can think of. I listened to that presidential speech, which I took accurate time, and it was just a 13 minute speech, which was a 13 minute waste of my time. I mean, my colleagues told me I shouldn't bother listening to him because he was just going to say jargon. But just for one, just I just wanted to give him that benefit of doubt and hope. He was going to surprise me, but I was wrong. Instead, that presidential speech left me crippled. I had a mixed feeling of anger, fear, confusion, and only to come online on Twitter and the Nigerian military were denying being at the toll gate. For God's sake, we saw you there. The uniform is Nigerian military. So if you say you were not there, so who did it? Who had those guns? Who had those bullets? The pictures are there. If in this era of social media, in 2020, when we captured everything, everything was live, and this government still had the effort to deny this, it gets me thinking what really happened in the 1967 to 1970 civil war that happened in Nigeria. There are a lot of questions to ask. What really happened? Because that was the first genocide this country ever did against a particular tribe, the Igbos, killing over 3 million people with more of the population, children and women. And nobody has addressed this till today. It's been 53 years. And nobody has been held accountable. Nobody has come out to say what really happened in Biafra. And in 2020, at the toll gate, these people are denying it. This is sickening and pathetic as well. That this is what we found ourselves in as Nigerians. It's been a big hit. It's a lot of people's mental health, including mine, were severely damaged. I was traumatized. I had nightmares for days. I couldn't sleep for days. I couldn't even eat. I My appetite, I just lost interest in everything. Seeing the gory pictures, even people that their chests were torn open, people that their intestines were out, people that with their skulls were blown off. And these people come out to say no fatalities. Nigerian leaders are wicked. I, I honestly lack the adjective to even qualify them with. And all of a sudden, they are now being probed. And CNN interviews the Lagos State Governor Babajide Sangwolu, and then he says only two people died. So the story changes from nobody died to two people died and a few people injured. The military, who initially said it was fake news that they were at the toll gate, comes out to say that the Lagos state government ordered them to be at the toll gate. <laughs> because the governor of Lagos state came out to say that the military were deployed to the toll gate. Then, after he said that, the military now owns up to be present at the toll gate. Then a few days ago, the attorney general of the federation comes out to tell us that hoodlums were the people that were dressed in military uniform and opened fire on unarmed citizens. 
This is so ridiculous and shameful that people's husbands and fathers condescend this low rather than own up to the truth and face the consequences of their decision and actions. Now you see why it's been so difficult to have me on here. My podcasts have never been this long, but I feel this has to be talked about. There's so many crazy stories I've heard about SARS. Even someone who said that she was driven from from where? From Ibadan to Abuja to Nasarawa. And I'm like, how? Forced to sign a document stating she committed all sorts of crimes she doesn't even know anything about. I was even saying, my hashtag was it may be you, it may be someone close to you. I didn't even know you already got very close to me. My friend's brother, just two months ago, was attacked by the men of SAS. They stopped him, he showed them his ID card. I am a federal government worker, just like yourself. And they told him to bring out his phone. Oh yes, they do that and they feel they have the right to search your phones. They do that. And they told him to bring out his bank statement. And he brought out his bank statement and they told him to withdraw the money in the bank. And he was like, why would I do that? And the man cocked his gun at this young man who is in his 30s. It's not like you're talking to a baby. This is a man in his early 30s. And gave him 20 minutes to decide. To either bring out the money from the nearest ATM available or he will kill him right there. And of course, they never fail to add that suffix and nothing will happen. A full-grown man was scared, drove them to the ATM, declared his accounts and went off with the money. Otherwise, they already told him they were going to kill him there, place a gun on his chest, take pictures and tag him a thief just because he had beards on, which is normal with men. They even go to the extent of planting marijuana and guns in your vehicle if you're not so really vigilant when they stop you for a car search. I don't know the way forward. We had to take a break from the protests so we don't lose more lives in vain. Rest in peace to our great heroes and patriots who fought for peace and unity, which are one of the lyrics of the national anthem. I apologize because nobody knew it was going to go this way. Nobody knew it was going to get this bloody. It was peaceful. We didn't ask for too much. We didn't destroy properties. We didn't loot anything. But they just decided to just put sorrows in the hearts of every single Nigerian. May your souls rest in peace. History will never forget you for your bravery. And we will fight to get the justice you deserve. As if this was not enough, a few days after this whole massacre, mysteriously palliatives that were disbursed to state governments to give to their ward during the pandemic to feed people were stored up in warehouses and last I checked the lockdown in Nigeria started sometime ending of March early April for over six months those food items which were in thousands were spiled up in warehouses and all of a sudden mysteriously which of course I know the government has a hand in it for it to be a distraction to the young people from the whole massacre so that they don't ask questions people said discovering these warehouses stocked up with food to the brim 
money contributed by well-meaning Nigerians to feed people who could barely feed. And then the state governors, even traditional rulers, hid these things, this foodstuff, in warehouses. I've never seen a country where rich politicians are in deep poverty. I have never seen that. Because it's it's it is it's not wickedness it's not greed it's wickedness for you to see a large population of people starving and you keep food items meant for them in warehouses for what these people don't need those food items and in some places people lost their lives trying to carry these food items because they brought the military to unleash fire Example, Enugu State, where I hail from. A young boy just lost his life. He wasn't even protesting. He wasn't even interested in carrying the COVID-19 palliative. He just died as a result of a careless officer shooting recklessly into the air just because he has a gun in his possession. How much more frustration do we have to endure as Nigerians? What is the way forward? 2023 seems far. And now they are pushing for the social media bill to ban and regulate the social media. To finally take away our voices, section 39 of the constitution of Nigeria gives us freedom of speech and information. But here they are pushing the bill to silence us and just when we think we have some young people who are in government who could speak for us unfortunately they, they had to prove to us that we could still have young people in power and we will still fail Desmond Elliot who is a 46 year old young person in Nigeria a lawmaker there he was in the House of Assembly in Lagos State, pushing for that bill to finally take away our voices and he had the effrontery to call us children. We the same youth who voted for him in 2015, who voted him into office with the use of social media, which he acknowledged. You know the beautiful thing about the internet? It never forgets. Never ever. Everything is always there. Whatever careless statement, whatever thing you do, it's always on the internet and they will always come out to haunt you. It may take long, but definitely one day. All it just takes is pull a wrong card and then the internet will pull out the evidence and show you your stupidity. Another woman who is a mother, a young person as well, who should advocate against this bill? stood up to say that the Nigerian youth were high on drugs. <laughs> it gets me wondering if there's something they take when they get into power that makes them lack empathy. It just makes them a little bit, you know, they tend to lose their sense of judgment and they just become plain wicked. And they just act in some way I may have to call foolish. It's just tiring to be a Nigerian. We just see them pull these taunts and I'm like, how stupid do you think Nigerian youth or the Nigerian populace are? Enough is enough. We are tired and we just want a better future. That's all we ask for. And we're not asking for too much. I know Nigeria of our dreams will come true. It will be tough because they're really coming for us. They are beginning to block the accounts of people that were promoting the NSATS movement. Even seizing their passports at the point of travel, denying them visas. That's how low our officials are going. Instead of giving us a voice, listening and do what we demand of them they are playing the card of intimidation and fear 
and they are also trying to start up a tribal war or religious war as well they're trying to pull the same card they pulled with our parents but I am happy that so far my generation hasn't given to that they've tried to silence us but our our mantra is hashtag Sorosoke. It's a Yoruba word which means speak up. My generation decided to Sorosoke. My generation decided to speak up. And we'll speak up regardless of every form of intimidation they will use against us. This is our fight and I'm hopeful that this is the time for a real change in Nigeria to bring to reality the Nigeria of our dreams to bring to reality the Nigeria we will be proud of and our children yet unborn will be proud of this country will be great again this is the starting line of the battle victory never comes so easy I know that but I'm very certain that victory will definitely come soon enough the next elections come in three years time and in as much as three years seems far it's not so far and i'm very hopeful that with the brilliance the coordination the cooperation we exhibited in 10 days i am confident that we will run this country and we run it well i'll end this by just saying the national prayer which is the second stanza of the nigerian anthem the national anthem oh god of creation direct our noble cause guide our leaders rights Help our youth the truth to know in love and honesty to know a living just and true great lofty heights to attain to build a nation where peace and justice shall reign God bless Nigeria God bless the citizens of this country we will rise again and the sun will one day shine in our favor. I hope to see you soon. Thank you for listening.